Hey everyone, welcome to Afterthoughts for episode 4 of The Complex. James is right across from me per usual and is ready to discuss this last episode. So this episode we focused more on Amanda. We got to kind of see more of who she is, what her life consists Mm of. Um, And I think it brought up a lot of, honestly, some of the biggest struggles that ADHDers (laughs) kind of go through. Um, The first one being uh, misevaluations and struggles, you know, to, to consider everything in their world around them in that moment. Um, but then also for the second thing, uh, she seems to really struggle with for one school, um, and kind of clarifying her own passions and what she wants to do, even though it might be clear to an outsider, somebody listening in, you know, we can kind of hear that in this episode is like, she's, she sounds very, um, passionate about marine biology. She is, Um, you know, and that's very clear, but to her, you know, she's majored in all, she's switched her major to all these different things and she still doesn't realize that it's like marine biology right? is her, is her calling. Exactly. Um, and yeah. And so I'm going to go ahead and play, uh, just a real quick, uh, well, actually I want to go to the misevaluations first and then we'll come to the passions. Got it. Um, so I'll play a real quick clip of, um, when she was misevaluating stuff. Hey, I really enjoyed that music. You were saying those guys were friends of yours? Yep. Khalid the drummer is tutoring me in Arabic or Arabic. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, and I help them with English, plus we swap recipes. Huh. Uh, Where are they from? I always thought it would be rude to ask. I think it's amazing how fast they've assimilated already, though, considering... Wait, assimilated? How long have they been here? It's been a little while, like three months. Long enough for them to really feel at home. They love it at the complex. Oh, they're <laughs> they're your roommates? No, that's the thing. They're not. They're just like... Um, huh, what, refugees? I really prefer the term long-term tourist. Don't you think that just sounds better? Anyway, it's only temporary, I promise. All right, so Amanda has three roommates supposedly <laughs> she does that uh, that would be four with her yeah right four <laughs> in a one bedroom apartment right um a little bit of a misvaluation sure um potentially uh so why i, I kind of want to get into the bigger picture here why are misevaluations and seemingly in sometimes inconsiderations that's what it feels like to an outsider without ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, why is it so common in people with ADHD? Why is that like? Well, it, it, first of all, just in a general course, you know, the misevaluation piece is a, is an enormous component of the diagnosis of ADHD. Yeah. Uh, and in this case, but when you look at Amanda, you could also consider, and this is where some of the things get missed. Her age, there'd be a normalcy maybe of four people living in a one-bedroom apartment for someone who is young like that. So mm. they might do it for a while, okay? okay? 
but I'm telling you, I've seen folks with ADHD do it at 40 years old also. <laughs> so it just kind of goes on. But for some people, they can normalize, well, she's young, she can do that. But mm. in this case, she's clearly, you know, it's not the concept of the complex. Mm. She knows she can't have that many people, but she doesn't really think about it. So yeah. the first piece about that misevaluation is there is an underactivity in the prefrontal cortex of the brain Mm. uh, around the abilities to what's called the executive functioning. So you have, uh, you have the ability to focus, concentrate, motivate, plan, prioritize, and evaluate. And that's what creates the challenges here. In this case, it's around evaluation. So it's really an underactivity of connection there, uh, that starts this process. But also there's the idea of memory Mm -hmm. in the space of evaluation of not remembering to tell you. See, I can imagine her with a diagnosis of ADHD. She probably had very good intention to tell you at some point. She was on her way. She got distracted. Um, (coughs) She didn't write it down. She doesn't remember it. Uh, She remembers it at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's not a good time to call you. Yeah. So (laughs) all those pieces are activated. So we have both a memory piece Hmm. and we have an underactivity and executive functioning. Is is memory affected in ADHD? It is. It Mm. is. There's an area in the brain called the hippocampus. It's more of an active working memory area Mm. where it's a relay station, so to speak, and a transfer of information. And the signaling mechanism within that is weak in its chemistry, so to speak. And so information gets dropped. And so, man, I wow. see people with ADHD walk from one room to another, and more often than not, they forget what they went in the other room for. Yeah. Now, again, this happens with a common individual under stress, but mm-hmm. for those diagnosed with ADHD, it happens a lot. Right. And so that it happens when they're not even under stress. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And so, anyway, memory is absolutely an interrupted aspect of attention issues. Um, in the transfer of information in the mind. Mm. Uh, but as we see it with Amanda here, uh, the missed consideration of telling the landlord yeah. uh, about, you know, having that number of people could have been worked out, could have been, you know, planned on for a certain period of time. Yeah. Now it becomes this odd social situation that suddenly you can hear in the landlord's voice, in Jules's voice in the podcast, you can hear, that he definitely is thrown off yeah. by learning yeah. that she suddenly has three people staying with her from another country and maybe they have visas or not. Right. It's hard to know. And so yeah. suddenly, right, here comes an emotional distress storm, in my opinion. Mm. For Amanda. For Amanda, but also for Jules the landlord. Yeah, yeah. Because suddenly he's thinking, oh my gosh, what's going on here? Yeah. And that's the effect of what we talk about, that it's not just the individual diagnosed, but yeah. certainly people around them get affected by it as well. Mm. I think there's one other piece of this, though, okay. about managing the considerations and and the fact that Amanda missed kind of remembering to tell you and things like that. And I wanted mm. to let folks know this, that you know, one way to deal with missing memory or evaluation pieces is I, I encourage my clients, it's like to have a meeting with yourself or a check-in with yourself on a daily basis, mm-hmm. okay? And that check-in could have three or four items on it of something you've written down that you always think about. Do I need to tell someone uh, something I haven't told them yet? Have I 
So it's kind of a review system yeah. with yourself personally. But it's interesting because when you when you make it an agenda, it's the same three or four items every day. Yeah. You are creating a strategy, very personal strategy, as a framework for the memory and the processing of your mind. Yeah. So that you can review things. And when you do it this way, it's like you're talking to yourself by thinking out and processing on a framework that's outside of you. And that circumvents or gets around the underactivity of the prefrontal cortex, mm -hmm. of the memory uh, missed loops um, in the brain itself yeah, when yeah. it gets dropped. But that, it seems interesting that, you know, it's just this same routine agenda yeah. that for somebody with ADHD, they would remember more automatically. Mm. For us, not so much. So I have lists around me in certain areas that I will review or go over. Have I done this? What well, thinking about that? Yeah. But it triggers my mind as a frat, as a platform. To it kind opens of it up things. into this kind of uh, questioning. Yeah, exactly. State. Evaluation, but it's external. So I've got to use this kind of external yeah, way yeah. to do this, but it works beautifully. And as long as you personalize it again, like the index card or mm -hmm. holding your fingers together, it's the personal piece that you're really after with this strategy. Gotcha. Okay. Great. All right. Well, let's uh, go to the second clip and start on the big monster that is ADHD oh my gosh. and passions. Yes, yes, passions. Yeah. The next morning, I was up early to put out the trash and recycling. I found Amanda sitting in the garden as if she'd been there all night, except she had changed into her queen angelfish pajamas. Wow, Amanda, you're up early. I never managed to fall asleep. I'm sorry, that sounds... Ah, Hear that? Yeah, what is that? It's the Black Pole Warbler. I heard them in the Caribbean last year. Their migration route goes straight from the Northeast to South America, and it is almost all over the open ocean. Can you imagine? Not really. I'm. You don't not... see Black Pole Warblers so much as you hear them. They sing at one of the highest frequencies of any songbird. We were 30 miles northwest of Grand Turk Island when they flew over our ship early one morning. They woke me up. I actually slept on that ship. I've never slept better in my life. Wow. Um, what were you doing in the Caribbean? Four months of researching coral reef ecosystems and monitoring sea turtles. But you know you can't do that forever. At this point, it's important to pick a career goal and break it into manageable chunks. That's the whole point of college, right? I mean, no. What's the point of breaking your career goal into manageable chunks if you're not passionate about it in the first place? I took a big risk creating the complex, and it's been the best thing I ever did. It's also been the worst thing, but so what? Well, maybe that works for you, but I kind of need to keep a lid on my passions. I get carried away, or that's what everyone tells me. Right now, I need to put my head down and get serious and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really sound like you believe that. <laughs> I don't. So, um, we see Amanda here struggling. Uh, pretty significantly, it seems like, with um, school and, and kind of finding her way finding her her niche you could say right um so obviously um 
let's just start with the obvious. ADHD people tend to have a harder time in school. Yes. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's because of a lack of smarts. Um, if anything, they seem to be a little bit more creative and a little bit quicker than most people. Um, but And yet they still have... have an increasingly hard time with school. Why is that? Where does that come from? Well, again, we're, we're taking out such small topics here. <laughs> um, you know, when I talk about academics and I talk about the nature of ADHD, and I have, uh, I've worked with children as young as four mm-hmm. uh, and as old as 88 now wow. uh, in their lives. Oh, wow. uh, so this clearly is it's a developmental condition. Uh-huh. It looks very different at 88 yeah. than it does at four, let right. me tell you. But it is still there. Um, think about school as one large event that needs an enormous amount of executive functioning power. Mm. Yeah. Again, to write, focus, concentrate, motivate, plan, prioritize, evaluate. Yeah. You're doing that all the time in yeah. school. every single day. So yeah. I will tell people that school is one of the greatest stressors neurologically on the mind for somebody with ADHD because mm-hmm. there's so many details, but not just the details. There's so many aspects of school that are boring, routine, or monotonous. Yeah. They're a checkpoint or a way station that I need to take this class in an area I have no interest in, but it's yeah. part of my degree plan. I'm not saying that college is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. It's a good idea. It's just you have to strategize significantly. Yeah. Um, and I've used a system called academic coaching for years. That is essentially an interview process with clients mm-hmm. uh, to go over the things they need to strategize within a school system. Anything from keeping up with homework to talking with professors to how do I write papers. But it's a way to interview them in a way that I want them to teach like this external platform I talked about before Mm -hmm. with uh, details. Yeah. That in this case, you know what strategies to use. Yeah. And so uh, my most successful students, you know, I'm talking to only two or three times a semester kind of overviewing their systems. Yeah, making sure everything's working. And, right, they're in you know. areas where, you know, they really like it. Um, so that's one piece is to really you have to customize system because academic areas have so many details to manage. But you brought up another really interesting point about IQ or being smart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the biggest issue with IQ and ADHD, and you'll see it written about in the field as some people will call twice gifted, you know, mm-hmm. are twice exceptional, meaning with a uh, many folks with a high IQ, along with a diagnosis of ADHD, interestingly enough, seem to circumvent the mm-hmm. diagnosis more often. Yeah, because they can have mm-hmm. the uh, thinking horsepower of their IQ to get around it mm-hmm. at the last minute to produce a paper in a really effective way that's really good, but it's, but in one night and they're exhausted for the next three days. Yeah. But the reality is it had nothing to do with their, uh, so IQ has nothing to do with ADHD on what you're naturally born with. Mm -hmm. ADHD can interrupt the process of someone using their IQ or reaching potential with it. Uh, but it's a very interesting quirk in that case. Uh, because there's challenges around certainly consistency and follow through and those mm-hmm. kind of pieces. So someone doesn't look smart. 
Yeah. Um, but the largest challenge, right? Somebody with a diagnosis of ADHD suddenly performs in this A plus stellar manner yeah. for a professor. And the professor's like, oh my God, you're just brilliant. Right. And then they miss the next four assignments. And yeah. the professor's like, like what uh, happened? <laughs> what happened? Yeah. I know you have the IQ. I know you're smart. Yeah. But why don't you? And then they start going into, and people are already hearing it. Are you trying hard enough? Right. Why can't you just do it? You must be lazy. I hate saying those things. I'm sorry they're triggers, but they are for all of us with ADHD. Yeah. But it's the, the, the strategies haven't, it just aren't strong enough yeah. within that academic system. But, oh my gosh, I tell my clients that I just don't know that your neurology is going to be as ever stressed in your life. Yeah. Maybe with parenting. If you choose to have okay. children, parenting mm-hmm. can be very detail-oriented, certainly, and keeping up with things. But, wow, school is just such a bear for many people yeah. with attention issues. So, clearly, you have to have a passion. Mm. Well, we see that Amanda's uh, passions seem to get kind of jumbled up in her head. They do. Um, they do. Is that I, I know that that's something, I think, common for most people, not just... ADHD, you know, like it just that that's kind of the the aspect of of coming into adulthood almost is that you're just trying to find uh, where you want to go, you know, and what you want to do with this life that you uh, are building and you have the ability to build. So um, but she doesn't really seem to be able to identify uh, that her real passion is marine biology. And I think there are some uh, influences from ADHD that can affect this and make Mm -hmm. it a lot harder for her to Mm -hmm. understand where she wants to go or look at where she wants to go. Right. What are some of those influences and factors that can do that? Yeah. Well, let's first take on the first aspect of this regarding uh, her age in her Mm twenties that for everyone neurologically and developmentally, the mind doesn't settle down kind of where I want to go in life or what I want to do. Yeah. It's actually very uh, disoriented and jumbled and growing in your 20s. And that goes up to about the age 30, actually, now we see mm. in neurological studies that the mind settles down, so to speak, or does its growing process mm-hmm. from when you were born, much like your height and weight. But that doesn't really settle down to you're about 27 or 30. Yeah. And for everyone, we know that as a goal-directed behavior of what I want to do with my life. Yeah. So many people in their 20s are exploring and looking at things. Uh, Those with ADHD, you get the jumbled nature of executive functioning that's underactive. Yeah. You get passions and interests that drive this great connection, but then there's inconsistency and follow-through issues. Mm. And so we see Amanda here, obviously, enormously passionate. Yeah. about marine biology yeah. and is likely very, very good at it when she's doing it. Yeah. Um, but the ability to have structure and routine to develop it is critical. Well, that answers, I'm going to kind of curb all of my questions. Uh, <laughs> if you want to find out more about James's uh, ideas and strategy work and, and all of his, all of the work that he's done over the past 29, 30 years, <laughs> Go uh, check out his book, Focused Forward, on Amazon or jamesochoa.com. 
Uh, as far as where to get the coming episodes of The Complex, you can get them anywhere uh, you get your podcast. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll be getting updates every week. Yep. All right. Thanks. Thanks.